0: Welcome to Education, Leadership and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. My name is Andrew Murata, host of the program, and it is show number 155. Thrilled to be back here with you uh, live here on Facebook, live on YouTube. We added that recently. And uh, certainly wherever you are watching or listening, great to be with you. Uh, If you are listening or watching, we'd love a positive review. It's amazing. Uh, What those reviews do and what they mean to people. So, a positive review on iTunes uh, or wherever you are listening uh, is helpful. Proud member of the Education Podcast Network, proud member of Voice Ed Radio Canada. And after today's episode, we hope to be on in New Zealand one day because we are uh, going to meet Nathan Fave from New Zealand. Uh, And Nathan, uh, most recently, uh, was the captain and champion of the world's toughest race. Uh, I'm so excited to talk to Nathan. I think my kids might be a little more excited to, to meet and talk to Nathan. Um, but Nathan was featured on a, a show on Amazon and like many of you looking to do something during the pandemic, looking to, to, to be together as a family, uh, we watched on Amazon, the, uh, the world's toughest race. And we got to meet Nathan through the show and uh, he was the captain of the award winning team. So we are gonna to talk to Nathan about perseverance and, and all that he went through adventure racer and what it means in the in the world of leadership and, and for educational leaders. So we're gonna meet Nathan in a moment uh, and I'm grateful to him for coming on the show. We are going to lead uh, with a few topics. Number one, um, I am going to start another Uh, mastermind group. I have a leadership group going on right now. It's going very well. Uh, Some of you uh, have reached out about that, and we are going to start another one uh, here in April. Second, I'm very excited to announce uh, the uh, second book is at the publisher, and it will be coming out this summer. Uh, The second book is entitled The Partnership, Surviving and Thriving, uh, and that's going to be coming out. It's about the partnership between schools and families and how we can better work together to serve the kids. So that book is coming out. So two little announcements there before we get started. Let's roll. The opening topic is about extreme. I'm gonna ask Nathan about this during his races and during his world uh, or his life as an adventure racer, but extreme, we're in an extreme time right now in our lives, this global pandemic. And people are doing things they didn't normally do. People are in uncomfortable situations. I'm going to ask Nathan about that also. But what are some things that you are doing to be extreme in what you do? Do you push yourself beyond the limits? Do you push yourself to go above and beyond? I always like the, uh, the, the demonstration of, you ask somebody. Try this. If you're an educational leader, uh, you're watching this. Ask somebody to jump up as high as they can on the wall. Jump up, and mark where they, you know, where where they touch, and then put a twenty dollar bill two inches above that. And I guarantee you, nine out of ten, if not ten out of ten times, they will hit that twenty dollar bill because there's a goal, and they reach to go a little higher and a little further. And there are many opportunities in our life where that happens. And Nathan, I think, has done that a lot of times in his life. He certainly did it on the world's uh, toughest race. And uh, let's welcome him into the program here. Uh, And I hope I'm going to pronounce his name correctly. Nathan Favre, welcome to Education, Leadership, and Beyond.
1: Yeah, thank you. Thank you. It's nice to be here and uh, nice to meet you. How
0: would we do with the pronunciation? Did I get Fave down right?
1: Yeah, pretty good. I think if you were in Samoa, you you might uh, have a few confused confused looks, but um, for me, it's just fine. Thank you.
0: Well, we really appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, We've had a variety of guests over the few years here, Nathan. I've never had a world adventure racer on, let alone a champion and star of the Amazon uh, show, uh, the world's toughest race. So, Nathan, why adventure racing? Why Put yourself into those extreme situations, like I was just talking about. Why? Why? What? What is it that gets you going about that?
1: Well, it's it's probably a difficult question to answer um, quickly, but you know, uh, what draws me to adventure racing, or what has drawn me to it uh, over a number of years, is is obviously it's in a team. So if you're a person that likes working in a team. You know, a group of people with a common goal and, I guess, uh, you know, using all your strengths, um, you know, to achieve whatever it is your team set out to do, that that, is, that, that's, that has appealed to me. And uh, I guess, you know, by nature, I'm, I'm just an explorer. I love being in the outdoors. I love travel and going to new places. I love seeing you know, beautiful things in nature. And event racing has just been an amazing way for me to to kind of travel the world really and see a lot of, ama- or be part of a lot of amazing places that, you know, I would never have probably got to see had I not been, um, you know, doing the sport that I've, that I've been doing. Oh, I love mountain biking and kayaking and hiking and doing those things. So, yeah, event racing is a great way to combine your passion for the outdoors, you know, go uh, if you enjoy traveling, uh, being part of the team, staying fit, healthy, you know, I, get, I guess for me, it sort of ticks a lot of boxes and that's why I've
0: done it for quite a long time. Yeah. And and this experience about being on the world's toughest race, did that show being on Amazon, accessible to people here in the northeast of the United States, did that put adventure racing on, on the map or bring it to more attention?
1: yeah it definitely did uh, eco challenge has been around for a number of years uh, back in the 90s and early 2000s but they actually um, took a bit of a break and it was uh, it was actually seventeen years before the eco challenge the world's toughest race that that you know we're talking about now and uh, historically eco challenge you know did a lot for the sport of adventure racing in terms of just bringing it to people who wouldn't normally know about it. And they were very successful in doing that again, uh, you know, with the, the world's toughest race. Unfortunately, uh, that mo- a lot of that momentum has kind of been put on hold at the moment because of COVID. But yes. it, it definitely has um, been amazing to see, you know, Amazon uh, with that production have taken our sport and our story and, and introduced a whole lot of more people to it and you know it, it would be great if uh if that serves to inspire more people to get out and do things and if some of them trickle into adventure racing then then that's great as well
0: well you inspired my family and uh, even when they're complaining now about oh i'm tired or we just had a big snowstorm here you know come on let's get out and shovel oh, i'm tired what would nathan say nathan's still running nathan's <laughs> still going so you certainly inspired my my group, uh, Nathan. Was yeah. the fact that it was a TV production, did it change what did the events normally look like? Or was it pretty straightforward and it just happened to be a TV show as well?
1: Yeah, it, it didn't change things too much for us. So it definitely was a very polished and big TV production. But you know, foremost, it is a race. It is a sporting competition. So essentially... Uh, you know, there was a race going on and it was the challenge for the, the filmmakers or production team to capture that on film. So, you know, I guess the differences were that there was just a lot more cameras around than what we would normally have. So, you know, yeah. often the world champs uh, for adventure racing is filmed and they'll make a, you know, one hour kind of sports show out of that. You know, Eco Challenge obviously made a 10-hour show and um, to a much, much higher quality. So, you know, it wasn't a huge amount of difference for us than, I would say, than a, a, a typical major race, but uh, everything was just on a, a much bigger scale. So rather than seeing a camera person maybe, you know, three or four times a day, you know, we might see them, you know, 10, 15 times a day, um, just, just things like that. So, but... You know, it was really, it was really just a, still a race for us. Like, you know, they didn't really change much at all in terms of us just trying to get through the course as quick as we could.
0: And it was fascinating, and it was really well done, and your team clearly was just so above all the other groups. And I was watching the show saying, I, I, I would love to have a conversation with him about leadership, and <laughs> here we are, so... I, I, I know what I saw through the TV screen of leadership on your part, but what, tell me about your leadership on that journey, some things that you did intentionally to help you and to help your team be successful.
1: Yeah, I, I think it is very important to acknowledge that as a team sport and I am the captain. And, you know, I guess in terms of sort of leadership um, – you know, most of the time, I would, I guess, sort of set that that leadership and um, and, and you know step into that leadership role. But my teammates are very, very uh, skilled and experienced adventure racers themselves. And at certain times of the race, uh, the leadership role can can be quite fluid. Like someone else can sort of step into the leadership role at times. And I think as a team. Uh, while I'm the team captain off on the face of the team or the spokesperson for the team you know the four of us are really peers, and you know we work together extremely well as you can probably appreciate um, given what we what we what we achieved but um, yeah I guess the point I'm sort of making is is that the uh, you know I think fellowship is really important in our team as well so that you know, we can, um, you know, whoever is in that leadership role, the others will sort of trust their judgments and, and go with that. But, but for me, my, my sort of, I guess my, um, you know, what I've learned in adventure, w- event racing and many other things that I've done in life is just calmness and composure. Like, uh, And then that's, that's one of the sort of values or qualities that I really strive for as, as a team captain and as a leader in, in event racing all the thing different things that i do um i think that you know the, the eco challenge it's it's a sporting event um it can be really stressful it's it's not only a sporting event but it is also a tv production so you've often got cameras on on you there's mic you often got microphones um you know sometimes with you 24 hours a day and i think for lots of reasons that uh, you know the There's so many different challenges that come at you as a team and as a person during that race that you really have to respond to those things um, calmly um, with composure to ensure that you're actually making sensible and logical decisions (laughs) as the race goes on. And I think for me, a big part of that is uh, removing emotion from your decision-making and sort of just basing it on facts and data and um and and not and just being very clear about that and and the reason for it ultimately is 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 to save time to uh to allow efficiency to to kind of keep moving forward through the course because that's ultimately how you win those races is to keep keep a reasonable reasonable amount of momentum um as soon as you lose momentum i guess it's like many things in life uh, it can be very hard to started again so for me it's it's very important to just just continually feel like um you're making progress um through the course even if even if you're presented with a big challenge you know if you if you're actively trying to solve that challenge or that problem you know the 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 team the team atmosphere or culture is is that you are still moving forward Um, yeah
0: Uh, i'm thrilled to hear you say that as you were writing uh, here's my notes here. I wrote calm and body language, and you said calm and composure. Right. You, know, you, you displayed that. No matter what happened, you stayed calm and cool. Uh, I thought you were a tremendous leader on there, and, and to hear you say that, but for me to be able to see that, I, I, that, that, that was fantastic. Yeah. It was hard enough to make those decisions, Nathan, but tell me about making those decisions and continuing to lead on minimal amount of rest. Minimal amount of sleep? Yeah. I
1: think the, sh- the show did some very good things, and um, I thought they did an excellent job of telling, you know, the story of event racing. But we did actually have more sleep in that race than what most people probably, sure. uh, uh, you know, than perhaps what it looks like. So I think for memory we took nearly seven days to finish the race. So maybe 160 hours of racing time or 170 hours, something like that. And if I was to have a guess or an estimate, I would say that we probably had about 20 hours sleep, uh, which is a lot for an adventure race. So that would be often more than double uh, what we would be normally used to. And the reason for that is because uh, and they didn't really show it in the show. And I, and I think it was wise for them not to show it because if they show too much of the technical side of the sport, um, I think it would lose a lot of interest to people who, who don't know much about it. But it would also get quite confusing for the audience. But they actually had to shut the course on the second night uh, because of flooding. So... Yeah. Our team actually had a full night's sleep on the second night of the race, which meant starting day three, we were fully recovered, yeah. uh, which is kind of unheard of in our sport um, to kind of day three be feeling like it's day one again. And then on the night of day three, we reached a dark zone, uh, which means that you can't go water rafting for safety reasons during the hours of darkness. Mm-hmm. So we had another full night's sleep. On, on that night. So we had two nights of consecutive sleep, um, which meant on day, the morning of day three and again on the morning of day four, uh, we were, we were all, I would almost say we were fully recovered again um, from what we had done up until that point. So, uh, and that's very unusual for an adventure race, but it was just the way things worked out and um what it meant was is that we never really suffered from a lack of sleep like we often do in those races but um but no to you know to answer that question anyway is is that you know i think with our experience now we know when we're kind of not making rational and sensible decisions and often what our team will do at that time is we will actually take some sleep and then when we wake up you know we're just more clear-headed and we can make sort of decisions on what we need to do or how we're going to approach the next next part of the race but we do we, we are I think pretty good at at just uh, even when you're very very tired just being able to kind of engage your brain on a level and go, look, I'm really tired right now, but I, we really need to think, um, you know, really carefully about what we're doing uh, and, and make sure this is the right decision and not one that is affected
0: by, by you know, a lack of sleep and things. Well, and like you said, you're calm and composure. It all led to that. Um, Nathan, what about uh, – you know, you talked about teamwork and all the ups and downs. Uh, what would you say to educators now, people that are having a heck of a hard time continuing to go because of COVID every day, going, being tested? You know, our healthcare workers, right, our, 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 our doctors, people that are on the front lines facing this global pandemic. What advice would you give them to keep going? Because you modeled that. Uh, on TV and certainly in your world, what would you share about that?
1: Yeah, I, I, um, I guess first of all, I'll say that I, you know, it's probably unfair of me to sort to of make too much comment on on the COVID situation because we in New Zealand here we are in a bit of a bubble. Um, you know, life in New Zealand right now for us is completely normal. Um, the wow. only dif- the only difference is is that we. We don't. Uh, we have our, board, our borders are essentially closed, um, yeah. so we can't, we we can't really travel. Um, but I, I, other than that, there is really no significant change for us. So, so I, I don't feel <laughs> that comfortable about making sort of suggestions. Um,
0: and and, that, and that's fair. Let's yeah. take COVID out of it, right? Let's yeah. take COVID out of it. The yeah. motivation to keep going when you don't feel like it.
1: Yeah, I think. Well, I mean, I guess in a race, like an adventure race, is that you know, again, the, they are very, very challenging events. um But the reality is, is that they are, they are over in in less than a week. So, so I, I think in terms of a mindset, even in the hardest sort of time, you kind of know that the end is actually in sight. So no matter how much you're suffering in an event. How much discomfort and how much you don't actually want to be there. You can remind yourself that you know this time next week this will be over, or there is an end in sight. So you know that's one thing about adventure racing, I, and I'm aware that you know COVID and other things, other issues that people are faced with, have longer time frames. But I don't necessarily think it changes all that much. Like I've been through other challenges in my life that haven't that have clearly been a lot longer than one week and and one thing i often think about and and this is something i've you know i guess expanding on what i've learned from adventure racing is is that there is a point in the future where whatever the challenge is you would have actually moved through it and i think you just have to trust that um you know, that, and, and there'll be a point in the future where you'll look back on, on whatever the challenge is and go, oh, that's right, you know, I remember that. And, and I think in terms of COVID, that's what I would probably be saying to people is, is that, and and it may seem like a lifetime away now, but it won't in the future. You know, in a couple of years' time, you know, people will be sitting around going, oh, you remember oh, 2020, 2021? That, man, that was a crazy time. And they'll have a bit of a laugh about it and say a few things and then move on to the next thing they want to talk about. Like, I guess over time, you know, like things diminish. And so I think having that sort of trust that there's a point in the future where things will get back to a level of normality or, you know, the hard time will pass. So I think if you sort of bring that back to the present, you just have to go, well, okay, things aren't great right now and, and this is the same in adventure racing but what can we do like right now that is actually helpful what is what is going to be helpful and what is and identify what is going to be unhelpful and just try and do the helpful things and, and really that's something we do a lot in adventure races is that you know for our team um, whenever we get thrown the things that don't go to plan. You know, the, the question that we will always ask ourselves as team members uh, before we say something or before we act in a way is, is the question is how is this helpful right now? So what am I about to say? What am I about to suggest? What am I about to do? How is this actually going to be helpful to the issue that we have right now? And if it is helpful, great. Then Then that's a positive thing. But if it's unhelpful, then it's probably... <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's not, it's actually just not, it's not going to sort of work towards what we're trying to achieve. So, yeah. Sure. I and
0: think is that, is that yeah. something, Nathan? Sorry to jump in. No, no, go. Yeah. Is that something you work together as a team in like a pre meeting that you talk with everybody about that concept?
1: Yes. Yeah, it is. It's, it's sort of happened. Um, I guess our team, you know, we have raced together for a long time, like the core team has been together for six or seven years. But, you know, we have history much longer back than that. And, yeah, we used to sit down before a race and 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 talk about team culture and expectations and, and you know, what we want our team to look like when we're out on course, what we want other teams, you know, to model what we want other teams to see us as and, and you know, different people. So... We've had a lot of those discussions, and and really now we we don't really need to like the team culture is kind of set, and I think people are very good at just switching into that um, you know these days. But we did invest a lot of time uh, you know years ago, in, in in sort of setting up a, a framework, and uh, you know that allowed us to bring out the best best in each other, and and allowed us to essentially. You know, try race to our, our capability or our capacity is probably a better word as well.
0: Yeah. And that's really a great teamwork, uh, kind of concept that can go into families, it could go into education. About that, is what I'm about to say or do going to be helpful? Uh yeah. I know my, I know my wife will like that with my kids and, and me in the kitchen, you know? <laughs> get, yeah, yeah. Get yeah. out of the way.
1: Yeah, that's right. And I think. I think just more in a general life, you know, like I think often people will make comments, you know, criticisms or comments, and they're not really helpful comments. And um, yeah, I think if people are aware of kind of what they're saying sometimes and then stop and think about, is this actually worth saying? And then think about what it is they're actually trying to achieve by saying that thing or doing that thing. um, You know, that that can be a trigger to sort of change behavior in in a positive way, I think.
0: Absolutely, Nathan. In addition to the uh, uh, adventure racing, uh, you've done some writing. You wrote a book, and you also do some speaking. Tell me, like, what is it when you when a group hires you to come speak? You know, tell me about the aspects that that you talk about. How do you come up with your topics?
1: Oh yes, I, yeah, I do. I do some speaking. To be honest, I don't. Uh, I don't go looking for speaking opportunities. They they just come to me. Um, you know, if people sort of find me and, and want me to come and and do a presentation or a talk, I'm more than happy to, but it's not something I, I kind of go out there and, and chase. And uh, it depends a bit. I I think, um, you know, probably over my my life, my speaking kind of time, I've spoken to youth uh, more than I have to adults. So, um, you know, to youth, I think, you know, I'll often theme things a bit more around uh, obviously, you need to make it interesting and entertaining. Um, so I will often speak about adventure racing because people just find that uh, quite an interesting thing to know more about what it is that's involved in adventure racing. But when speaking to youth, um, a lot of it is around just following your passions and and you know just trying to stay engaged in what you're doing and and you know uh, I guess not limiting. Your beliefs, and and not, not let other people put limitations on you, and then I guess more of the the adult stuff tends to be more corporate uh, type things, and they're normally uh, either leadership or teamwork um, type kind of you know subjects, and yeah. uh, nearly all the talks I'll do I'll spend you know probably half the time. Just talking about adventure racing and telling some interesting stories and showing some imagery and 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 I think people can learn a lot from that. Um, even even youth, you know, that I talk to, that they can make those connections themselves. You know, they can they can watch something, they can learn, they can hear about adventure racing, watch some adventure racing stuff, see some adventure racing photos, and and I don't need to kind of. <laughs> Try and make those connections for them. They'll 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 figure them out themselves normally. Sure,
0: sure. And I, I find it fascinating. And again, what you displayed on the TV, I can see why people would want you to talk, Nathan. What what would you say? Is it more physical training, or mental training, to be successful?
1: <clears throat> I think it, it's a good question. I I think the two are so closely linked that. Um, you know that they just become one, really, and you know, because I think I think to really do training um, that you need to do to to sort of win uh, an eco challenge or, or just finish an eco challenge is probably probably a fear of Is you that that requires a huge amount of mental tenacity and motivation and and commitment, like the body is not going to go training without the mind kind of controlling that and and making it happen. And then when you're out there training, I mean, some days training is easy. You just go out there and you just, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Other days it takes a lot of discipline to get out there and do the work that's required. So I think just by naturally training um, for an event, Of that scale um, or, or for any event people are training for really is there is a mental component to that as well so come the race when you're actually in the thick of an event like eco challenge or in the midst of whatever challenge it is people have set themselves to do you obviously need to be physically capable of doing what it is that you've set out to do in order to achieve it but there's a huge mental component that uh, is required as well because uh, yeah, it, it's, you know, physically most teams that pull out of the race are physically fine but, um, you know, mentally they, you know, they've just had enough for whatever reason, they've just said, look, I would rather be somewhere else right now or this was harder than I expected but, you know, they'll still walk off the course um, it's not like they are physically finished or anything, they've just chosen, chosen a, a different option, so So yeah, I I think it it goes hand in hand, and and the flip side of that would be that, you know, there would be perhaps some people that might go there that that you know physically they they were never going to finish Eco Challenge, in the time frame required. Um, They've got the mental tenacity, no problem, but they don't have the physical side of it to, to kind of allow that to happen. So I, I think the two are very, very closely linked.
0: Okay, excellent answer. Nathan, how do you turn it off? Here, here you come off this extreme, use the word tenacity. You're going, going, going. How do you turn that off in your personal life to know, okay, it's enough if I just do this, right? You don't have to keep going. Is that something you could turn on and off?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think um I think it comes with I think it comes with time and probably a little bit of wisdom and maturity. <laughs> Um, you know, when I was younger, I mean, I've done a lot of racing, and you know, I've been an athlete for thirty years or so, and and I would say through my twenties, I probably did struggle to turn it off, uh, but you know, I think as you get older and circumstances change, and you have children, and life becomes a bit more serious, and you have a business, and and and, and, and you know, it increases your perspective on things, and and then I think, um, yeah, so so fast forward you know, I I guess when, you know, when I was in my 20s, I mean, my sport and my racing and my training, I mean, that's all that life was about for me. And uh, that was it. Uh, Whereas now, you know, I can go away and do a race. And that's amazing. I feel very, very privileged to be able to do that. But then I come home and, you know, I've got work staff, I've got a property that needs maintenance. I've got kids that Want to do stuff. I've got a wife that wants to spend time with me, and and, and likewise me with her. Um, and so I, I think you just get you just you just you know through time you just go well, yep. This is one of the things I do, but I've got all these other things I do as well. And and um, and, and I think most you know mature athletes are uh, and sports people are, are are pretty good now, just balancing things out. It's just a. It seems to me like it's a bit of a natural sort of you know progression and. And 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 probably the trick is is having other things in your life that you're equally passionate about, and um, and things that are perhaps as meaningful or ideally more meaningful than uh, than than, you, than your sporting kind of hobbies.
0: You're a wise man, Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> you're a wise man. Again, excellent uh, answer. You know, I, I we joke here with me. You know, a lot of mirada that I'm. I'm I'm going a lot, and like you said, you learn, you get a little older, a little wiser, and you you learn to tone it down. But that that second passion, the other interests, uh, is a great point. Mm-hmm. Nathan, tell me, you know, you're a lifetime away. You're a day you're a day away, time wise, and a lifetime away, world wise. You know, I I know you. If I ask you a question about New Zealand, you could probably talk for a week or more. You know, but give me a glimpse into life in New Zealand. What you know, I mean, you see the ocean. You see all the beautiful photos. Mm. it was into the life there.
1: Yeah, well, I guess I guess it's like any country in that. You know, the reality is is that even within New Zealand, there's many different ways people are living here, and um, you know, the the good and the bad. Um, we're not immune from any of the issues that all countries are faced with. You know, we have well uh, uh, to be fair I, I say that I mean developed countries I mean we are a very privileged country but within our society you know there's 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 lots and lots of stuff that needs needs improving and um, you know with drugs alcohol crime abuse I mean we have all those issues here in New Zealand it's not like we're this kind of sort of utopia of <laughs> of just adventure and and fresh mountain kind of <laughs> scenes of um, and things but you know where i live it probably is a little bit like that it is a bit of a bubble of positivity and health and wellness and and i just feel incredibly lucky to have um to be able to to, to live in in the, in the environment that i do so so new zealand is made up of two islands um they're not very creatively named one is called the north island and one is called the south and <laughs> <laughs> and I think that actually the Maori uh, people, I think, had much more interesting names than <laughs> Europeans. But that aside, uh, most of the population is in the North Island. So there's five million people here, but four million people live in the North Island and one wow. million in the South. And I live in the South Island. Um, the South Island is uh, basically a mountain range, um, the whole South Island is based is the Southern Alps. Um, so we have a very spectacular mountain range that runs the length of the island. And then either side of that is just an incredible array of river valleys, lakes, um, mount, you know, mountain sort of um, conditions as, as the mountains essentially kind of make their way or, or drop to the ocean. So most people, I would say a big, pop, big percentage of people who live in the South Island live in the south island for outdoor recreation purposes so they ski in the winter they do ocean sports in the summer they do a lot of trekking um you know hiking climbing uh, mountain biking Um, you know they most people in the south island have chosen to live in this island because because of the outdoor opportunities Uh, we have you know lots and lots of national parks and kind of protected areas so um, yeah, it's it's it is just an incredible place uh, if you are into um, spending time in nature and um, and getting away. It's very easy to get away from people <laughs> and and find private privacy and solitude if that's what you
0: seek. Sounds beautiful, and again, you you putting your your country on the map, and, and really just uh, again, you were a great representation on that show. And to hear you now, again, modeling about being an outdoorsman and, and all that can be, uh, you know, kudos to you. Mm-hmm. Nathan, we're coming down the stretch of this race here. This was one of your shortest ones. But um, was there something that else that you wanted to share, something that I didn't ask you? Uh, and, again, in the realms of, of leadership or uh, trying to help people through this time, something that, you know, maybe I didn't ask you? Uh, no, I
1: don't think so. No, I am I, um... – no, I don't know. Well, maybe one thing I'll probably add is, is that, you know, I guess, I guess a lot of people um, look at Eco Challenge and there's a glamorous side to the race that, you know, you're obviously going, you're in Fiji and you're doing all these amazing things. But there's also a side um, that they kind of show in the, in the show where there is actually sort of quite a bit of suffering and discomfort. And people often ask me why why are you attracted to event racing when it's clearly quite a hard sport?" And my standard answer for that is is that you know I think I think um, you know most people in the developed world now, you know, the life is too comfortable, and I don't think um, you know in, in a life of real comfort that all our needs are actually being met. Like I actually really, truly believe that. You know that as a species, as humans, we we do need it we do need a certain amount of kind of risk and fear and discomfort and uh you know because it wasn't that long ago um, throughout history when when that stuff was an everyday part of life and and now life is pretty much geared around trying to be as comfortable as you can all the time which um, which I think is great like I celebrate that like I I love the fact that you know we've got shelter and comfortable beds and a constant supply of food. But I do think that, um, you know, if that's all you have, then I think what my, my, my sort of um, observation is, is that people start sort of manifesting kind of things in their life because, because they're, they're actually missing out on, on kind of a big part of things. And, and that is, and it really is just actually just a sort of plain old sort of suffering. And I actually think that, um, you know, people need to kind of, well, not need, but I really encourage people to, to sort of see the benefits of, of actually going out and stressing their bodies, like go training and go out in the rain and go out and be uncomfortable and push yourself and stress your body um, physically. Because if you're not doing that, I think people end up with a lot of pent up um, sort of energy in that space. And then I think often often sort of transpires sort of emotionally, and I don't know about I can't really speak for New Zealand, but we're seeing a real increase here in New Zealand of kind of emotional stress and sort of you know depression related kind of issues and things and i I think that a lot of that can be addressed by people um you know going out and 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 physically kind of stressing themselves and putting in. You know, just 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 going running and pushing themselves, or biking, or hiking, or whatever it is. And so, you know, I think um, going back to my original point is is that people often look and say to me, "Oh, I don't know how you do that." There's so much sort of you know going out there and suffering like that. And I think if you, in the context, if you think suffering is a bad thing, then um sure, don't you don't want to go adventure racing. But I, I guess philosophically, is I, I actually think that um you know that actually a little bit of suffering and discomfort is actually a good thing and and that's part of the reason why i think we get out and train for adventure racing and do those sports because i don't know for me for me i find more balance if um if we can
0: you know work work it like that you've used that word a few times balance and that was very well said uh i agree with you and, and and that was very well said nathan so thank you for sharing that um Let's get to rapid fire, Nathan. I can see the, the end of the race in sight here. These are quick answers. Uh, the first thing that comes to uh, uh, your mind here. Are you ready? Sure. All right. He's going to get, going to, get to the finish line here. Last book you read.
1: Well, the la- I'm reading a series at the moment. Um, it's a thriller series, um, an investigative, investigative uh, detective. Um, his name's Will Trent, um, so I'm, I think I'm about book four in the in the series. So I do I do a lot of reading, so and I and I, I can read all sorts of genres and topics, but that's um, that's what I'm reading right now.
0: We'll be getting we'll be getting this to you soon, uh, Nathan. It might take a little bit to get there, but I'll get it in the mail to you. I promise. Last yeah. movie you saw? I don't
1: watch many movies to be honest, but the last movie I saw was with my youngest daughter, and that was uh, Mulan.
0: There was some extreme, right? There was some extreme in there. Yeah,
1: and that was a great film. I loved it.
0: Yeah. It really was. Me too. Excellent. You've traveled all over the world. You've seen so many beautiful places. Favorite place to travel?
1: Oh, very tricky question. Um, you know, the place that always comes to mind first in terms of traveling for me would be Japan. Uh, I really love um, traveling to Japan. Uh, I, I, really, I, I like the culture. I enjoy the food and um, and the outdoor adventure opportunities in Japan are amazing and, and historically I think I think they have some very uh, sort of great philosophies and values and wisdom that um you know I find I find the Japanese culture very 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 interesting and inspiring.
0: Beautiful. You've shared a lot of passions, things that you believe in and, and, and strive for. What is something that gets under your skin? What is something that really bothers you?
1: <laughs>
0: uh I probably, I mean, the thing
1: that frustrates me the most in life, and I, I always need to work on this, but it's actually inefficiency. And uh, wherever I am, no matter what it is, if I see something that is just really inefficient, um, I just get frustrated about it, especially if I'm held up by it. If I'm if I'm, <laughs> if I'm in a queue somewhere and I'm going, this, this is just crazy. I can't believe that this is the system that, that I've got going and uh, I do need to work on that. I need to learn more patience and um, not get so hung up on, on being kind of so, so, so intensely uh, focused on efficiency all the time.
0: I'm with you with that. I'm yeah. Sitting in a line. Who designed this? Who, where is this person? Yeah, yeah. I hear you on that. Yeah. When you're racing I and you see something, I know this is going to be a big challenge when some of those things on the show was like you know when you how do you know when something's going to be oh that's going to be challenging
1: oh yeah um well i mean i guess one of the things in adventure racing which kind of really throws you know the when we the most common time when we when me myself and my team have that is usually weather dependent and um, it can be weather or time so we might have like a really tricky stage in the race. We know that on mid, midway through this race, we're going to have to go up through this mountain pass. And then as we get closer to that mountain pass, if the weather kind of comes in, we go, man, this is not a good sign. You know, if we see some clouds, we go, whatever it is, we go, this is going to be, this is going to be epic with this weather coming in. Or the other one is time. So, you know, in event racing, there's – a stage, so one of the things that we can do, like whether it be stand up paddleboarding across a lake or kayaking across an ocean, it can change dramatically whether we do it at nighttime or daytime. Mm. And, and um, when we, often when we get the course before we've even started, we might actually identify a stage and go, man, this stage is either going to be amazing or it's going to be an absolute nightmare depending on whether we hit this in daytime or nighttime and often we won't know until we actually get there so um so yeah i i think for us and you know in the context of the sport it's uh it's you know it can be oh this is not good you know the weather or this is going to be hard because we we know now that we're going to be doing this you know
0: um through the through the the darkness hours and in the show i'm sure you remember that you got caught up in the cold and you guys were freezing when you got to that rescue tent there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's and then we were we
1: were some of the probably least affected by that.
0: Yeah, that was uh, that was certainly rough. Uh, Nathan, you're not getting any younger. Huh. When this is all over and you walk away from this, you know, what do the What do you hope they say about
1: you? Uh yeah, I, I guess for me, I just hope that um, you know, within the sport, that the legacy that I leave uh behind is all the people the things that people remember me about it, and it's probably to be fair as most it's probably mainly the other top teams because they were the ones that kind of know each other and race against each other regularly in different countries and and i'd like to think that people just um remember me as just being like a really fair respectful kind of competitor you know i might love to get out there and race hard but for me it's important to um to maintain, you know, healthy relationships and, and and to always be fair and respect the rules and, you know, play fair, race hard, but by the end of the day, know that it is just a sporting event. And, um, yeah, you know, like it's it's, it's not worth, um, you know, <laughs> just it's not – you don't want to take it too seriously. You know,
0: there's other things in life to, that, that are more important. Best purchase under $100 that has had a great impact on your life. <laughs> There's probably quite a few,
1: but the one that I still get a real big kick out of is I'm a big coffee drinker, and I spend a lot of time in the outdoors. And about 10 years ago, I I managed to buy, um, I saw this um, plastic coffee filter device where basically in the mountains, all you need to carry is this little plastic uh, cone and put a filter paper in it and put it on your cup and then boil water and you get this amazing strong coffee and it was twenty dollars for this plastic um, filter. It's got lots of cracks in it now, but it still works. But for me, <laughs> the most amazing purchase. Um, it was like, it's it, yeah. Whenever I have coffee in the mountains, which is quite regularly, I just got this little coffee twenty dollar coffee thing, and it's just like, man, this thing was, this has just changed my life.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful, best outdoor survival tip. Oh,
1: I think. I think for me, there's lots of things, but I, for me, it's really, I reckon a map is the biggest thing. Like, for me, when I'm in the mountains, the only times when I've really been worried about things is when we've been without a map and things have started to go wrong, but I've been, I haven't really known where we were exactly and what was around us. Whenever I've got a map and obviously know how to use it, um, I feel way way more comfortable about things um so yeah i think i think for me having a map is is a really important part of um i'm maybe not so much survival but in terms of preventing kind of um you know
0: things from escalating out of control when you're in the in the wild and several of those teams on the show did make big mistakes they they couldn't get the map right so yeah yeah (laughs) yeah you saw that Um, nathan what's next for you right you mentioned about this and again you mentioned about us uh, you know you have a property you're getting into the dry foods you know what's what's next for you
1: yeah i think um I, you know to be to be honest i i think event racing, uh, you know a combination of my age um, combination of um you know my teammates they've all got they've all got young children now um, you know covid um you know how that's affecting the world i'm not sure how much more event racing will do internationally there's definitely a shift there and, th- and that's okay um you know i've got three teenage children now who are who are all um you know sort of well you know growing up um so family's always is going to be a big focus i guess go for well, remains a big focus going forward well yeah we have a freeze dry food business and events company i I think for me just it's just life really just the just the things that um you know that I enjoy doing I mean I uh, a big part of what I strive for is a lot of freedom and flexibility in what I do so just continuing on that journey and uh yeah just trying to you know I think as long as I'm I'm sort of go to bed at night and and go to sleep you know excited about the next day because I'm going to be doing the things I enjoy doing then. I don't want to tamper too much with that model.
0: <laughs> Amen. Nathan, this was fantastic. Uh, really an honor to to talk with you. I'd like to end with a quote. I'm a quote guy. Do you have a, a favorite quote you'd like to share?
1: Oh, yeah, I, there's a lot of quotes that, I, that come to mind, but I, I think one that I really like and I share a lot with other people, and it's not my quote, it's just one that I sort of adopted, but what was in, what's interesting about this quote is, is that it kind of it kind of encompassed um, how I've really been living my life um, for probably twenty years before I even read this quote, and um, basically the quote is is um, don't wish it were easier, wish you were better, and I and I think for me that um, you know part of the reason why I have actually managed to get quite good at adventure racing is is that you know growing up, right throughout my life, you know, anything that I've tried, I mean, whenever you try something, you're never actually very good at it. But I have always been determined, whatever I've tried to get good at it. And, um, and so, you know, I, I guess looking when I heard that quote, I look back on my life, and I go, yeah, pretty much for the last 20 years, I've just perfected all the things that I've, I've tried. So whatever it is, I wanted to do, I just invested the time and got good at it. You know, I was going, I, I, I don't have a problem with this being being difficult. Um, all I need to do is master it. And then, you know, so I, I almost embraced the challenge of learning something. And um, and, and I guess what that, you know, now that I'm sort of nearly 50 years old, you end up with this this sort of skill set that you've just evolved over sort of 30, 30 40 years of just just learning new things and and getting better at them, but added to that is I think there's a huge benefit um, for people of just being on that journey of self improvement. Like I think it ticks a lot of boxes um, just in how we how we operate as people. So I think if you're learning something, whatever it is, it doesn't have to be sport. It could be music or it could be study or I don't know any, anything really, but I think if you have something in your life that you're kind of learning and you're getting better at it, um, it's extremely satisfying and uh, because you see the improvement and you feel that improvement. And I think that kind of feeling that you get or that state that you're in actually trans, transpires into other areas of your life. So, so I've always been a real big advocate of, of um, always trying to have something going on in my life that is new, that is challenging, that I'm learning. And um, because because I, I, I do believe that if you are, you know if you if you are on that road of, of improving yourself, whatever it may be, just learning a new skill, that it, that it's extremely satisfying and, and and just a nice sort of thing to focus on. And that quote I think sort of lends itself really well to that. That um, yeah, if something's hard, that's great. Just 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 get better at it. Just just keep working, and and um, you master it. You know, it's it's not. It's not hard to stop you from trying. It's hard to, to kind of bring out the qu- skills and qualities
0: that are that are within you. Amen, Nathan. Uh, this was great. Uh, guys, if you were watching, uh, Nathan's website is here on the bottom. It's NathanFave.com uh, uh, or dot, um, .nz, not dot .com, dot .nz. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Nathan, this was fantastic. We do have to get rolling. Uh, sure. we've, reached, we've reached our goal here with the show. Uh, But I really appreciate you coming on. And I knew there would be so many things that translate to our audience and you exceeded that. Uh, But you truly are a champion and a great representation of your country as well as uh, your sport. So we appreciate
1: you. Right. Thank you. Thank you. No, I appreciate it, Andrew. It's good chatting.
0: Absolutely. Stay on the line a second, Nathan. This is show number 155. Uh, If I can help you at all uh, in any way, uh, reach out on Twitter. I'm at andrewmorada 21 and certainly, again, Nathan5a.nz. Uh, I certainly encourage you to watch the show and, uh, again, get in touch with Nathan uh, about speaking and etc. I'm going to check out his book as well. Nathan, thanks so much. Stay on the line, all right? All right. Yes, thank you.